you're going to be able to work on whatever you want to do and you're going to have so much fun and you're going to change the world kind of thing. And they're like, preach. Yeah, for sure. Finally, someone gets it. And then exactly the same thing. The moment when I say, okay, go, they're just like, where do I start? What do I do? And then what ends up happening is nothing happens. <laughs> you have to push and you have to dig, dig in and kind of and brainstorm and bounce ideas. And then even then, once they have some kind of a plan, they say, okay, I'm going to do that. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I have on guest Erica Drozier. Erica has been a Canadian K-12 language arts teacher for seven years and is currently implementing passion projects and entrepreneurship into her classes. She is consistently looking for ways to bring learning beyond the four walls of the school and help connect education with what society needs today. Uh, she is also a podcast host of her own. She has a show called A Teacher's Shoes. She's on a mission to connect and learn with as many people as possible. I have known Erica now for a couple of years. She is one of those that has grown and uh, taken a lot of um, lessons on Twitter. As a matter of fact, at the very beginning of this podcast, we talk about how we got connected. And it was really, honestly, one of the ways I got started off as well, by following a lot of uh, awesome people like Joy Kerr and other people on on Twitter. Uh, so this podcast is chock full of information. If you are starting to just dip your toe in the 20% time or you know Genius Hour waters, um, but Erica has been really transparent in her journey. She's shared the successes and also the struggles, as you heard at the top of the show. So this one is extremely honest and I think very beneficial for those interested in Genius Hour. We have all of her contacts in the description and she would love it if you would reach out to her. All right, so I highly encourage you to share this one with a teacher that is interested in Genius Hour. But enough for me. Let's listen to Erica DeRosier. All right, so every now and then I get a guest that I've known longer than as a friend than a guest. So I don't think this is going to be weird. But Erica DeRosier, thanks for being on. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Don. Yeah. So we go back a ways. Um, my gosh, how did this all start? This is, I mean, this is going on at least a year and a half, two years, right? Yeah. I think it goes back to me posting something on Twitter saying, I want to start working or implementing Genius Hour in my class. Uh, does anyone have some kind of tool or something I could listen to, read or whatever. And uh, Joy Kerr said, you have to speak with Don Wetrick. And of I did. Of course, you. Joy. Yes. Yeah. And then that's she how She is the queen started. of helpful. Well, good. Yes. Well, and I was going to ask you, like, um, where did you kind of, the origin of you hearing about the Genius Hour movement, 20% time movement, whatever you want to call it, where was your origin? Um. Definitely on Twitter. I can't remember if it was a chat or just going through my feed or something. Yeah. But I definitely knew that I was looking for something more. And I kind of, I guess I was looking for it. And you know how it is when you're looking for something and you're open to it, <laughs> it kind of comes along. And I said, well, great. I think I, I must have stumbled upon it in August or something. And then I decided on the spot I was going to do it. Uh, I think I was just looking for a name for it, maybe, or some yeah. kind of, I wouldn't call it a structure, but some kind of tangible thing that I was going to try. And that's how it started. 
Yeah, a couple of things. Um, you know, this is going to be in our Friday segment, so it's definitely more teacher-centric. So um, I want to talk to you about the beginnings of, you know, when, you know, what your expectations were, if you're trying Genius Hour, um, what was the reality after you started it, all that good stuff, and, and kind of go from there. Um, because, I, you know, my, my origin story was a simple email. Watch this. It was a link to Daniel Pink's TED Talk. Mm. Um, and this was eight years ago and there was no genius hour yet. And there was just this Ted talk on, this is the way businesses do it. I thought, okay. Mm -hmm. And, and by no means was I the only one. I mean, I'm sure I I think probably joy. It's a similar story. By the way, if you guys are a teacher and you're in education or your student, joy Kurt is among the most friendliest, helpful persons out there. And she has just tons of tons of information about genius hour. And she also has a great book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but that that first time you're like, okay, I'm starting to to dig into this. How did you start and what happened? I think how it started was that I was dissatisfied by what was going on in school. And I saw a bunch of students that were unmotivated and I just wanted something more. And everything that I was hearing about in terms of Genius Hour, Passion Projects, 20% time was that it was fantastic because you were working with students' uh, students' passions and you were really, you were able to touch on, touch upon so many things just because you were within those passions and you were working with, I hate to call them like that, but soft skills. And um, you were, you were working on all kinds of different things that are really important nowadays. So I said, well, I'm sure I have to try this and just kind of dig in and see what happens. So a little bit, I I feel like this is the same story for everyone, but I really thought that it would be different. (laughs) I just felt that if I tell my student that they'll be allowed to work on whatever they are interested in, it's going to work for sure. And I'll be able to support them and guide them. And it's going to be amazing. And as everyone else is saying, when you started out, students have never done this before, most of them. So it's mildly disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) You you tell them, okay, go. And then they just stare at you. (laughs) Well, I mean, a lot of times in the brainstorming phase, they're telling you, like I'll remember, I started this with a freshman English class, and and like like literally, we watched the Daniel Pink TED Talk on a Friday, and I said, okay, what about next Friday? Kind of because we we watched, like okay, what do you guys think? And like yeah, I was a little dry. I'm like okay, but what about the theory? I said, what if I gave you, you know, 20, 30 minutes on a Friday when you could work on whatever you want to work on? And they're like, yeah, finally a time where I get to do what I want to do. Oh yeah. And they're like, yeah, and they hyped themselves up and this was going to be great and I always remember that first day like everybody was almost embarrassed that no one knew what to do. Yeah. It was cool to say that like I'm going to finally do what I want. Mm-hmm. I, I almost like <laughs> I don't know why I always get this visual in my head. One time I pulled up um and it was prom and there was kids that had rented a limousine and um like we've all seen it in the movies a thousand times. What are you supposed to do when you rent a limousine? You're supposed to put the sunroof open. You're supposed to hang your head out the window and go, woo. And the kid did just that. And then like three seconds later, he's like, okay, no one cares. And he kind of dropped his head back. <laughs> like, 
we've seen it in the movies. It's in slow motion. The music's rocking and, and, and like nothing. He's like, okay, I said woo. There's not enough traffic around. No one cares. No one, no one honked back at me and they stopped. I got the same kind of reaction. They're like, this is going to be epic. All right, what do you want to do? Um, yeah, exactly. I, uh, how, about, how about you tell me what to do? I'm like, wait. That wasn't... That wasn't the deal. About, <laughs> that wasn't. <laughs> no, exactly. And I, I remember those first times that I told my students, you're going to be able to work on whatever you want to do. Uh, and you're going to have so much fun. And you're going to change the world kind of thing. And they're like, preach. Yeah, for sure. Finally, someone gets it. And then exactly the same thing. The moment when I say, okay, go. They're just like, where do I start? What do I do? And then what ends up happening is nothing happens. <laughs> you have to push and you have to dig, dig in and kind of and brainstorm and bounce ideas. And then even then, once they have some kind of a plan, they say, okay, I'm going to do that. And then turn to your phone and just go through your feed and stuff. So it definitely takes a lot of learning and trial and error and even now I feel like I have to learn all over again every year and see what works with this group of students and another group and all that but for sure I still feel like it's what what I have to do because the the fact that my students are reacting that way is clearly because that is exactly the problem yeah it, the problem is that they don't they cannot direct themselves in something unless you tell them well even if you tell them right the the, the goal is for them to be self-directed and uh, to be able to direct their own learning and to decide what they want to do and to make the changes because they want to do it so it's exactly what we have to do but it's unsettling because it goes against everything we've ever seen in the traditional classroom i think that's why I, I, yes, and 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 we're singing similar things, except you know I end up like I, I don't know I, I had to, I, I'm so glad I, I I've been given the permission to because I know that I'm rare, but having it as its own class, mm-hmm. I have the luxury of building um, and spending time in this first few weeks on culture, but I think once they got the idea of why they were doing it, like look. I don't care what it is. I mean, as long as it's legal, mm-hmm. I just care that you're taking an initiative because, you know, I love like letting them know, like, look, th- the safe job that everybody got is not going to be there. And, you know, half the nation's jobs are going to be freelance. The people that look for opportunities are going to win. So if you're already, if you're waiting around wanting me to give you instructions, like I'm not doing my job. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that almost kind of me, I'm not going to use the term browbeating them, but like, hey, man, this is on you now. And I think that's when I get the most chippy is that I've seen teachers beat themselves up. <clears throat> you know, I've led the horse to water, can't make him drink. Yeah, I've given them the you can make them thirsty speech. Sometimes I just got to take uh, like, I'll, you know, you know this because I've talked to your class. Sometimes I just like to tell your teacher, like, let me talk to your class for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, let, let me almost be borderline like rant. Because mm-hmm. after a while, like, hey, man, it's on you. You know, your teacher has paved the way. They are willing to give you time, willing to give you resources, willing to give you connections. But ultimately, it's on you. And I had a couple kids that they're like, you know, if you're here for an A, fine, take it. 
but you know, you're here, hopefully, to start gaining access to work on things you didn't have time to do. Because it's like, don't treat this like school. But that's like been one of the hardest things I've seen with people that have genius hour. Because yeah. it's within a school day. Mm-hmm. Now, at the elementary school level, I've just seen it work so well. Mm-hmm. At the middle school level, man, if they can just team it, I think it's wonderful. But at the high school level, man, it's just, it's tough. And, it and, and the worst is the parents. And you know this. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, how is this going to get their SAT score higher? I don't know. It probably won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what, yeah, and so like, how, what are some of the battles you fought? And then how are you winning them? That's a good question. Actually, right now, this year, as opposed to last year, it's no longer a genius hour, but more like a passion-based class with all of my classes. And um, one of the struggles I've had is that the students expect this to be a short-term project for it to end and then go right back to me being in front of the class and teaching them. So they're always expecting that kind of... um, they're always expecting those instructions that I'm going to tell them exactly what to do in the next step. And when I tell them, no, this is the core of our class, if not 99% of it, because I'm still obligated to have them pass a test at the end of the year, but getting through that and just keeping the momentum and getting the students, keeping the students engaged is one challenge. And another battle or another challenge is really um, the second language, because all of my students, or pretty much all of them, are learning uh, a second language as we're doing that. So I'm c- trying to connect it with the language. But for some students, if they're not really working, well, they're not, they're neither working on a project nor developing the language. So the hard part is working within the system when it doesn't fit very well in the system and you can be creative but at some point like you said it's really the students have to give it their part as well so that's been yeah so we've all had them and i guarantee the people listening to this podcast are now shaking their head up and down the good kid the 4.0 gpa kid who really is like i will work on something as long as i get an a Mm -hmm. how how are you reaching that kid other than just like assigning him or her something? Mm -hmm. Good question. (laughs) Actually, the one of the challenging parts is getting them started on something that they want to do. Because if I sit down with them and start brainstorming with them, for sure, they're going to take something that came out of me saying that could be a possibility. So how do I reach them? I try to empower them. I try to, and I, I know that we say that often, but I'm trying to show them that what they are doing has meaning and can reach other people. So trying to get them to overcome the barrier of the language or to go beyond their shyness and stuff and blog about it or make some kind of a, a vlog uh, about what they're doing. That's one thing. But it's really, really challenging. Right now, I would say that the biggest successes I have is getting them to work within the school and within the community much more than on social media because they feel that they haven't um, 
that they don't have enough of the language to to share what they're doing and i sometimes i say well what if you did it in french and sometimes it's not the language because even in french they don't want to do it so it's really trying to show them that this is not school <laughs> this is more than that and to get them to still want to do it even though it's yeah. not school yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i that, i appreciate that answer because that that has always been um, especially in the beginning of our journey, heck, when I, when I was starting to write the book, mm-hmm. because my first year when I had this, I should start a class, I started recruiting, I'm using my air quotes, I started recruiting a lot of the good kids. <laughs> um, and that was the biggest struggle of all because this is school and I have to get an A. Yeah. And if me taking your risks might equal B, well, I'm not going to take any risks. And, and that's, and that's when I really started to, to connect with that entrepreneurial community and started to realize like, I have to start fostering at this point. And cause I, and I've gone through some, and I even said like, I've, I've probably got to write another book 2.0 because even in the way I graded then it has changed since. Cause I still get calls um, mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm trying your method of grading. And I'm like, well, you know, I've gone through five different variations and I finally found what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate, I hate to be even like too recipe based because what works for me is for works for me. It may not work for you. Yeah. Um, but just getting them past that, I'm going to submit this and you're going to give me an A mentality mm-hmm. was really, really, really tough. Yeah, it's trying to show them that there's a process in the learning and the the goal is really to to go through that process and to see and to reflect on what they've been doing, that's really hard because they just can't wait to give me that either that final product or that blog post or any or something like that. They they prefer sending it directly to me because then they feel like I'm going to get a grade on this and then it's over. They they crave that sense of accomplishment as in I did this, I went from A to B and after B it's over, it's put away and I can go on to the next thing. So it's really helping them to see that there are long-term projects that you really have to find other solutions and reflect and go back and try again. And that goes against everything that they've ever learned in school. So, so that's a real struggle and even even with my my sec fives this year i'm trying to have them be entrepreneurial and i brought some local mentors in class to to help them as well and last week it came down to speaking with the whole class as in you know what this like i can't give more than what i'm giving this is like you have to get started as well i can't do it all and the message that the class was sending me was that we don't want to be entrepreneurial. We want to pass the test and then be over and done with it. So (laughs) I get some of them want to want it to matter, want to have that kind of impact and all that, but still the test is taking so much room. Uh, So just getting past that um, one of the strategies if you can call it like that that i found is that i'm going to have the exam done earlier in january instead of june hopefully that being out of the way will help but i don't know what yeah. might end up happening is that they're going to be like oh the exam is over yeah so. now we can truly <laughs> relax yeah yeah no so. that 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 
is obvious and still breaks my heart. Because um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've been doing this class and, and I think it's going pretty well, but I still get some kids that are like a, a famous example I gave on the podcast a couple of times that I had a girl and she is right before winter break and she looked all kind of shy and she's like, Hey, I, I just want to ask you something. And I go, ah. She's like, well, this is the only B plus I have. <laughs> and there was this long pause. I go, and she's like, well, I've got an A in every other class, Mr. Watcher. I said, do you want an A? She said, well, I mean, I said, hold on. I got up my laptop, opened something up, got in power school. So, okay, you have an A now. I closed the laptop. <laughs> well, now I feel guilty. I said, look, are you here because you want to get an A? Or are you here because you want to make a difference? Well, I kind of want to do both. It's just that it stresses me out because, like, you know, she was in the GPA contest. Mm-hmm. And... um and she says, okay, well, I promise you next semester I'll, but what she was still saying is I'll still be really compliant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't say enough times, like, I want you to do something meaningful. And if you want me to take your mind off of it, I mean, a kid that never turns in anything, then, okay, we have issues. Well, heck, one of my best students, he, had, he ended up finishing with a C minus for me. Because the actual, like, some of the small compliant things that I would have him do, like, no, nah, I'm too busy. Because he was doing great work, but he was yeah. like, eh, I can't get around your reflections. I'm, <laughs> I'm busy coding stuff. I'm like, okay. And I had, like, a moral dilemma because I'm like, okay, here, like, everybody recognized him as one of the best students in class, if not the best. And he had a really pretty low grade. But yeah. the thing is, he didn't care. Yeah. He never cared about the grades. I mean, he was born with that entrepreneurial mindset of, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a grade. Mm-hmm. Me making money is, you know, me making an impact. Me starting this thing is what's important. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I, I always, I always tell people like, if you're going to start it somewhere, I've always felt like in a lot of ways, start it as an alternative program. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been thinking about that this year because all of my classes are, of course, mandatory. So. Looking back, I think that, or looking forward, whatever, I think that that would be the best option because at least, I think everyone, every student should have this kind of class, any kind of passion-based or innovation class. But at the same time, it's, you're one step ahead if you have a class that still has some kind of a mindset that's already one step further and is already uh, already wants to make some kind of difference and knows the class from, I don't know, from reputation or something like I'm sure is the case in your school. Well, I think we'd both agree. This is why I love working with anybody at the elementary school level. Mm-hmm. Like what we're doing is going to be self-populating because, and I've seen it and I'm almost getting to that point where I'm going to get some students from the, the, the elementaries, but you know, third, fourth, fifth graders, like they, I haven't met a universe. Like I have not met an elementary student that doesn't love Genius Hour, <laughs> especially when the teacher is doing it right yeah. and not making it a you know a recess. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I love recess. But um, <laughs> but because those kids, if if it's done right, those third, fourth, fifth graders, then they go into middle school, and if the middle school allows you know a middle school team at least at least prototype it on one team, because that's when. Like I have so much sympathy and empathy for middle school. I was a middle school teacher for 10 plus years. They get the brunt of everything. The testing falls on all of their laps. They have this, it's just tough. Mm -hmm. And so 
when people, when middle school teacher looks at me and says, well, I can't do genius hour because I can't afford 30 minutes on a Friday a week. Yeah. I'm like, could you do it once a month? And like, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, so this week you have it. Next week, science has it. Next week, social studies have it. Like, you know what? And the teams that I've worked with and I, you know, I do a decent amount of consulting. They love it because they, as a team, they started getting interested in their side projects. And, and like, you know, Billy might be working on a project that you think is okay, but a science teacher thinks it's the best thing in the world. Or, you know, Sally is working on something that you love. And it just so happens that your aunt owns a business where they do that kind of, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. And then, yeah. so by the time they get some grade school, some middle school, they walk into your class at a Zen-like level. Yes. And it's not stressing them out that you're, they're doing that you're asking them to do something without specific instructions by asking them to find those potential yes. problems or issues to solve and stuff. Yes. And it's funny that you're talking about elementary students because I have seventh through 11th graders and by far my seventh graders are, yeah, they're doing much, much, much better than yeah, my 11th earlier. graders. Yeah. yeah. You got some earlier. They, they, yeah. they still have some fight left. And, and I, I mean, like, again, not all of my students are, are at this sort of Zen level, but a lot of my students, I always, always never forget Matthew. I had a student that was like, okay, Don, I can't, because sometimes they call me by person, like, Don, I just don't want to hear another pep talk today. I need to be left alone. I have to get done with these following things. Like, it was their time. It was no longer school. You know, because in some of them, I was like trying to pep talk. I'm like, hey, guys, let's accomplish stuff today. And, and here come along Matthew's like, I can't do a pep talk today. I don't have the extra 10 minutes. I need to get done with my stuff. And I'm like, God, I love you. Like, yeah, yeah, go leave the room, do what you have to do. Oh yeah. Uh, because it's yeah. their time. It's like, it's the most like selfish class you could ever do. Cause it's now about you, but I'm wanting you to do you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate um, reward as a teacher. When you have a student step into class and they like they don't even say hi. They're like, can I go do this? Can I step out and do this? I have to speak with this person. I have to go get this. Is that okay? <laughs> then you're like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> please? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I do. I Sometimes I, you know, I'm trying to win over everybody's heart. And then so for the, you know, at the beginning of the year. And so some of the kids are like, you've already won my heart. Shut up. <laughs> it's like I want to get started on my project, and that's when it's funny as Matthew was was instrumental in that. He's like, "How about this? You kind of start getting a head count on really who's doing it." He says, "It's kind of now the minority of people that need the pep talks. Take those kids outside and let you know, like, do one on ones." Right? Yeah, right, 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 right. And uh, I appreciate that. Okay, so let me ask you another almost a converse question, and this may come in the form of maybe some of your seventh graders, um, but. I remember maybe my first or second year, I had a couple of students who were killing it and jealousy set in and mm. it really killed the culture. Have you ran against that yet? Hmm. Well, I'm trying to use that competitiveness as leverage, I guess. I'm trying to have my eighth graders somewhat jealous of my first of my seventh graders so I'm trying to show them examples of what's being done by students who are younger than them and especially at that age they're like what they're doing that and then they kind of get that momentum but 
Um, maybe I've gotten that a little bit in terms of attention. Some students want that attention a lot and they're used to being rewarded by what they do. And when they don't know what to do or where to start, I can go sit with them. But after that, I'm going to cheer on to other groups and try to encourage them to go further and all that. And I think I might have had that kind of reaction from some students and some of them kind of just shut down and they're like, I don't know what it, what I want to do. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. That's impossible. And then they go on to full negativity phase. And that's really hard. Um, I don't really know how to deal with them except to speak with them and just start from the beginning again. But even then, once some students are killing it, just moving so fast and doing all kinds of different things. You can't really catch up with that. And for sure, I think they wish that they'd started trying things earlier. But you know what, I think that's just part of it. And they have to live with it. You know, they have to, they have to realize that, well, you know what, I didn't give that kind of, I, di I didn't apply myself that much. I didn't put that kind of effort. So I think it's just showing them that if you try something and keep on trying, you're going to succeed. And if you're not, well, you know what? Nothing's going to happen. And I keep repeating that to my students. This isn't going to happen by itself. You have to do it. So I guess that that's part of life showing you or teaching you a lesson. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I just, I, I've had, <laughs> this is such an unusual kind of scenario that sometimes emotions run high yeah um you know if if a you know if a kid gets a b plus and one of his buddies got got an a normally they don't care mm -hmm. um but when you all of a sudden and and the way it happened this is like my first second year um one of the students got interviewed for a local tv spot mm. and um the worst thing happened. So the beginning of the year, I had a, an interesting idea of what I thought would be a good project. And I was like, which by the way, I don't do this anymore. Like I don't say, hey, this is a great idea. You might want to take my idea and run with it because of, because of the following situation. So I said, I think this is a great idea. Crickets. Finally, a student speaks up and she's like, you know, I'll take it. I'm like, okay, awesome. And so a couple weeks go by and no one cares because, you know, it's just Mr. Wetrick's idea. This is my first year in the class and, you know, eh. and all of a sudden it grows and it starts to become something. Well, two things happen. One, she's kind of reminding everybody that, you know, hers is going well and well, what are you doing? And two, um, the other, the pushback on, well, it was never your idea. It was Wetrick's. So she was, she was never going to win and both sides were in the wrong she could have been a little bit more graceful about it and they could have been. And so all of a sudden they were sabotaging her work, like mm -hmm. literally. And I lost control of the culture. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of when I was like, okay, keep your opinions to yourself. And if a student like indirectly asks you for advice, maybe you can shepherd them to it, but don't say who wants this is up for grabs because if it's successful, it'll never be sought. You know, they may be seen as successful because of the jealousy factor. And then quite frankly, don't create a monster. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the you play favorites will exist 
And by the way, I have, <laughs> all my students can tell you this, on the first day of school, I'll say, hey, um, there's, uh, you know, this is a class that's, it's, it's, some people think it's easier than it is, it's a lot harder. And I said, but there's also some rumors that go around. I want to dispel right now. And the rumor is that I play favorites. And the rumor is absolutely true. <laughs> and there's this awkward silence. I'm like, my favorite students are those who work hard. You want to be my favorite? Work. <laughs> You don't want to be my favorite? That's cool. But don't be angry and jealous of my favorites mm. because they put in the work. And I just get it right out. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just get it right out in the open Full because it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, because like, I think that's also part of our culture build. Like what you put into this, you will get out. And mm -hmm. if you want to blow it off and treat it like a study hall, like I always give the metaphor. I'm like, if you paid $25 to go see a sports team and you get in, and you take a nap, and then you wake up at the end of the game, the sports team doesn't care. Like, they, you already came. Mm. Whether you wanted to enjoy it or not, that's up to you. You're in my class. You want to earn a grade. If it's a, you want to get a grade, it's not going to be hard. But the real work is what you should, you know, should be the price of admission. And so, I, you know, are we batting 100? No, but we're doing pretty good. And I, and I think that's what one, that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on is that you have this perspective that you've been doing it for a while and a lot of people are going to be relating to you. Um, but you're also kind of growing uh, through these pains. Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, actually, um, you know, that jealousy thing you're talking about, maybe that will happen later in the year because <laughs> we're still early on, but um, no, I get, I get what you're saying. And I think that it's really just, um, I honestly try to work with every student, but like you said, at some point it has to come from them and those who are working hard. Well, it's easier to work with too. You know, it's just, um, it's easier to get something going and try to develop something that's already moving than starting from scratch every single class, because there isn't an opening to do something or to try something new. Yeah. I, I like that that optimism as well, and I, and I, I think that you guys are going to get there. I, I um, I've just been impressed by how you're trying to build the culture and and um, be realistic, and also kind of open up your classroom to other other things. My my students have been flattered. You've invited them uh, a couple times to kind of talk in your class, and man, they cherish that. And and you're just kind of um, just being transparent with your journey. And I think it's I think it's going to win overall. Um, speaking of which, if, if people want to contact you, get a hold of you, they're listening to this going, heck yeah, I'm going through all that. What's the best way? Um, LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at DeRosier Erica, and I'm going to spell that out. D-E-S-R-O-S-I-E-R-S, -E -E and Erica is E-R-Y-K-A. And on LinkedIn, I'm Erica, same spelling, DeRosier, same spelling as well. And um, yeah, I think that's the quickest way to find me. Very good. Well, Erica, as always, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've formed a nice friendship and, and we kind of keep each other motivated <laughs> when times <Yeah>. are tough. <laughs> yes. And uh, I sincerely appreciate all that you're doing. And, and uh, man, it, the, the journey is obviously so worth it. And some of these growing pains are going to be fun stories here in a, in a few years. years. But yeah. <laughs> But in the meantime, you know, congratulations on all the success. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping people take you as a resource and, and reach out to you because uh, you're just a gem. 
Well, thank you so much, Don. And honestly, I have to throw the ball right back at you because it all started with your podcast and listening to what you were doing. And it's always an inspiration. So thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks, Erica. Okay, take care.